0: We have come up to uh, Revelation chapter 14. Uh, Today we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 14. This is what we are studying, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant what must soon take place. Now, right from Revelation chapter 12 to Revelation chapter 14, We said we are discussing about the dragon and the two beasts. And in Revelation chapter 14, which we saw last week, we saw that the first five verses basically talks about the followers of Lamb, or you can call it a Lamb and the 144,000. That's how the NIV puts it. Basically, it's talking about a conquering army, a victorious army, and uh, as you read the book of Revelation, it should be the desire of everyone that we should be present with this lamb. That should be our desire. And after verse 5 from verse 6 to 13, we can call it as vindication of the righteous. So the righteous people will be vindicated. That's what we see in the book of uh, revelation we looked at verses 6 7 and 8 last wednesday and we are continuing from that uh, just a quick recap from uh, revelation 14 6 in the verse 6 and 7 it talks about the first angel and we saw the first angel had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on earth, the first angel. And we said this message will be preached to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Because the angel said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, because the hour hour of his judgment has come. Worship him. The heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water, that end time has come, worship him. And uh, we also saw that uh, it is not the angel who is going to proclaim the eternal gospel. It is the church. It is the responsibility of the church. It is the responsibility of every believer to proclaim this eternal gospel. We saw that. And in verse 8, we saw about the second angel. The second angel simply says in a loud voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of our adulteries. And we dwelt a little bit on this verse. And we said that uh, in the Old Testament, Babylon really represented the geographical Babylon. It was the original Babylon. But in the New Testament, when we, especially in the book of Revelation, when we come across the word Babylon, it represents or it points to Rome. Rome was called as the code name for Rome was Babylon. And in our present time, uh, Babylon could mean any country, uh, it could be Rome, it could be Calcutta, it could be London, New York, anywhere, anywhere and everywhere where where men worship something other than the true and living God. We finished at that uh, point. So we, we will be continuing from Revelation chapter 9 onwards. Uh, I know many of you are making today. Those of you are who have not started that today, at least for today's session, I would request you to make notes. It will be good for you uh, to make notes. Uh, Somehow, as I was preparing uh, for the past two days, I was preparing the Bible study. Somehow, I led by the Spirit to take a digression, which I normally don't do. So today I'm going to take some sort of digression uh, which will be helpful to us just to make us think and ponder on fundamental things to our Christian faith. Of course, it's from the book of Revelation, but we'll be touching things which will be helpful to us, which will build up our our faith. So today I know few of you participate Today I would expect or I would request all of you to participate, interact and actively discuss as we go along. I just want us to uh, discuss our ideas and thoughts. What I have been thinking, what I have learned, what are my impressions. If you can share this, it will help all of us to learn together. We are all learning together. Uh, it is so that will be of great help and today I expect a greater participation and a greater contribution. you can just unmute uh, your mic and share your thoughts briefly so that others can also be benefited by that. Now we have we have seen in 14 uh, chapter 14 verses 6 7 to eight we saw two angels. Now these two angels are followed by a third angel uh, who predicts the eternal condemnation for those who persist in worshiping the beast and its image. That's the third angel's proclamation. We saw the first angel had the eternal gospel. The second angel just cried out, Babylon fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. But the third angel, Angel predicts the eternal condemnation for those who persist in worshiping the beast and its image. Why do I use the word persist? In God's uh, plan, everybody has uh, the choice to repent at any time. But it is those who continue, persist in worshiping the beast and its image, uh, to them there is eternal condemnation. And uh, the angel says, such people uh, will declare the wine of God's wrath. That's what the third angel says. And that's what we are going to read from verses 9 and 10. This is the third angelic proclamation. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image... Uh, and receives its mark on their forehead or on their head, on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. Basically, it's talking about people worshiping anything other than the true god so when we are talking about beast and its image it's it's basically about people worshiping other than the true and the living god now the now the question is why do you think idolatry is comforting and encouraging Have you ever thought about it? Why it is difficult for us to worship the true God? Why it's easier for us to worship anything other than the true God? Have you you pondered about it? That's what we are going to do today. Have you thought about it? why it is very difficult for people to accept the true god you can you can you can say traditions and all that that could be a reason but what is what are the fundamental reasons
1: because uh, because we, our god is spirit and we cannot see our god and idols uh, um, you know, can be seen and uh, touched. That's something that they can see. Belief is easier.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it's easier, but when, when, when you touch and see what happens, it's
1: easier to believe. Easier to believe. World systems have. Uh, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Kind of. Uh, uh, I, I think it makes it easier for us to gain things through that.
0: Yeah, through that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. We'll keep that also in mind.
1: Pasta. It appeals to the senses. Pasta. Idolatry.
0: Idolatry appeals. Yes. Yes. What other reasons?
1: Uh, it literally makes us feel that we are able to contribute that I'm doing
0: something and I'm getting something in return, like you know, salvation being free may not appeal as much that much. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, all your reasons, all the reasons are perfectly fine. <clears throat> all the, if I have to just sum up from what I've heard from you, uh, it satisfies our ego to some extent, uh. In other words, um, it is not a God who has revealed himself, it is a God whom we discover, and we have done something to appease God, because we are doing something to appease God, and it gives us a kind of self-satisfaction, that I have done something, I have done something, so that gives... That could be one of that's some of the reasons that you touch and you you feel that you, it, it helps you to be in control of your life. It, it helps you to be in control of your life uh, because I choose to do when I want to do. I do things and still I am the master over my life. Uh, I hope it's clear. And uh, the third reason I could think of is there are no moral demands. There are no moral demands. Uh, moral, there are no absolute moral uh, moral values. If you go in depth, uh, there's nothing known as absolute moral values. It's all a matter of convenience. Uh, I can go and give this God as much money I want and it doesn't matter how I have earned that money, whether it has come out of corruption or by murder, I can go and put that and I can pat myself on the back saying that I've given it to God, everything has been set right. So there are no moral demands, so it becomes easier, there could be several other reasons so people uh, find it difficult to worship the real God, the living God. Uh, it's difficult. So the worshippers who have received uh, this mark on their forehead or on their head, uh, hand, uh, who have received the mark of the beast and its image, basically, it's uh, they come in this category. They have some benefits. That's why there'll be a large number of people who will prefer to have the mark of the beast and its image. It gives them some advantage. It gives them some special privilege. So because it gives them some advantage and privilege, they would rather have this mark and uh, not go with the true and living God. But if you were to choose the true and living God, remember you'll always be in a minority. will never be in a majority. You will be in a minority because it demands, it demands, it demands the surrender of our life. Jesus Christ clearly said, unless you deny yourself. So following the true God, it is not Uh, an encouraging thing, following the true God, the demand of the the God and the the demand of our Lord Jesus is unless you deny yourself. And who wants to deny himself? We all want to enjoy ourselves. We want to satisfy our own ego and our own needs. Who wants to uh, deny? So uh, the reason why we should read this verse, this verse Uh, we should always realize that's going to be a challenge. But if we persist, God will definitely uh, reward us. Okay, we, we said, why do you think idolatry is comforting and encouraging? So let me put the question this way. Do you think Christians can have idols in their hearts? Do you think Christians can have idols in their hearts?
1: Christians can't have but they do have some of them I think most have some kind of idols in their heart it may be a caste it may be you know the language it may be the education. doctrine it may be the education the family member you thank, you, have
0: thank you anybody else thank you pastor
1: Speaking. Work, work
0: faster. Work, yes, work, yes. Anything <laughs> Sports. else? Sports. Sports,
1: yes. Can have the net. Don't Can, have. No, can't. no. You can't have. One. Oh, you can't have. One. Yeah. Look. Hmm.
0: Anybody else? Okay. Which
1: uh, is talents could be a
0: ask. Talents, yes. Now Christians, because if you only restrict this, uh, the meaning of the word idol, just to to a image or some statue, we actually lose the message of the Bible. Uh, the message of the Bible is is, is quite uh, clear on this aspect. Now, in Genesis 3, 6, we read, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. This is the idol. Anything that looks good, because uh, all that you had mentioned, whether work or sports or talents, they're all good. They're not bad. But when this good replaces God, then that becomes an idol. We have to, when you look at money, when you look at your career, when you look at your talents, your looks, if you look at a relationship, if you look at parents, uh If you look at your children, if you look at power, if you look at approval, uh, comfort, control, if you look at any of these things and make them more fundamental for your significance and security, then compared to the love and knowledge of God, then that becomes an idol if anything becomes more important, we don't say we don't want these things. These are all good things. But we elevate it to such a place that it's more important than God, it becomes an idol. We may be praying to the God of the Bible. We may be even obeying the laws of the God of the Bible. But if this becomes our identity, then uh, we are not worshiping God the way we need to worship God. It's almost like having the mark of the beast on our foreheads and on our hands. This is where we need to understand the true gospel. You know, David uh, says in Psalm 18, he says, I love you, Lord, my strength. And the Hebrew word for love is very strong. Uh, in English, we can just say that I love you, Lord. In fact, when he says, I love you, Lord, uh, the exact meaning, the Hebrew meaning is from the bottom of his heart. We can, uh, The best I can put it in English is that every single cell in my body loves you. That is what I love you, Lord. And anytime we are... No, we are not able to God like that. Then there is something else which has taken the place of God. Uh, now, we saw in that um, Revelation 14, 9, 10. They too will drink the wine of God's fury which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamp. Keep this in your mind. They'll be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamp. Now, of late, there's a new kind of preaching which says God is so loving and hence Will not send anyone to hell. What do you think? He's so loving, he will not send anybody to hell. Have you thought about it? Because we rarely get to hear a sermon on hell in the church uh maybe we touch a little bit on hell today uh, have you have you heard this kind of preaching of late that god is such a loving god he wants not there, there's no question hell is not in his plan so i want to touch this because in revelation it talks about eternal damnation so unless we are about that uh, we will not be able to understand the message
1: so someone said that uh, God is so loving that he does not want anybody to be in the hell. But at the same time, he's so just, he cannot allow a sinner to enter heaven.
0: He's so just, he does not, he cannot allow anybody to enter heaven. No, a, sin, a sinner. Sinner oh, to Judgment has been a, a fact that everybody has accepted. In the Old Testament, there are references. You know, God uh, passed around a cup of intoxicating wrath to all the nations. There is a judgment. Um, in S- Psalm 75, 8, it says, In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to his very dreads. And in Isaiah 63, six, I trampled the nations in my anger, in my wrath, I made them drunk and poured their blood on the ground. Jeremiah 25, 15, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel said to me, take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. And that's what's there in Revelation 14, 10. They too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath, they will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb. It's interesting, Bible is so rich, the more we study. Uh, Now, does it appear that God is vindictive and horrible? Does it appear? On the surface, it appears because they'll be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. Does it appear that God is vindictive and horrible? Uh, Many could say yes, of course. How can a loving God do like this? Burning sulfur. So let me ask the next question. Was God vindictive and horrible when we destroyed Sodom? Yes. Was he vindictive? Yes, past. He was, the Lord rained on burning sulfur and Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. If you read the narrative, what happened when the angels went and what the people were demanding and the kind of sin that they were living in, uh, it doesn't appear to be the state in which they lived. And if that condition would have just, if you allow that kind of a society to continue, I don't know. God, God is a just God. He doesn't, it's a go, it's a world created by God. He created us and he's a loving God. Whatever he does is just. That's why the, when we say whether it was right for the rich man to be in hell. Because Poor Lazarus was begging day in and day out. Was it right for the rich man to be in hell? God is a just God. Whenever there is judgment, there will be something good, something better. Because if evil continues in this world unchecked, None of us can live in this world. None of us. Even in the present day, it is. I just took the word of Sodom and Gomorrah. If you read down through the centuries, if you read the history book carefully, there was always judgment from time to time. God has been judging. If God has stopped judging, human race is not possible to exist in this world. There is so much of wickedness, so much of violence It is only, we, we are superficially, immediately, we try to say, how can God do this? But let me put this in the other way. If there is a violence in a place, what is the natural reaction of the victims? The natural reaction of the victims is, I will also go and kill people. But if the victims are told, you don't go and kill them, There is a just God. At the right time, he will punish them. That's the only way we can stop violence. Otherwise, there is no other way of stopping violence. Because the natural reaction of a human being is to take vengeance. To justify ourselves. So that is why it is good to have... If, if there is no justice, if our God is not just, then there is no hope in leading a righteous life. There's no hope. If somebody hits us, there's there's no meaning in sitting quiet. Because we have a righteous God, because we have a just God, ultimately the wicked will be punished. So that gives us that confidence and assurance not to resort to evil otherwise there is no way we can control violence now some of these aspects we just we just we have been reading it superficially we have to go in depth we have to read the scriptures well and see and then when we see that we just worship this god we lift our hands up and we worship him And then when we realize from what we have been rescued and saved, we can only say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's our God. So our God is a just God. Uh, That's why when we read Revelation uh, 14.10, it's not that God is an unjust God. Evil has to come to an end. We are all struggling because of evil, because of evil and sometimes evil within us. We are struggling because of this. We want this evil to come to an end. I want to do good, but I end up doing evil. We are struggling and we want an end. And the only way that this can end is when there is a just God and God will bring evil to an end. Uh, It's almost 8.30. I have finished. If you have any questions, you can ask. Anything you want to add, you can add. If you have any questions, you can uh, text the here. you can text your questions to me and if you have some thoughts, because uh, this is one issue I realize, I understand. Uh, as a pastor, I don't think I have preached on hell for the past 12 years, I am not touched, but as I'm studying, uh, as I'm doing this Bible study, I feel how important it is for us to have a good understanding of hell, because that makes us just worship this God who has saved us. So gospel becomes very, very meaningful, powerful, and becomes so precious because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So revelation is all about Jesus Christ. Um,
1: Thank you, Pastor. Uh, This helped me to have a better understanding. Are you able to hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah, we are, I'm able
1: to hear you. Uh, especially uh, growing up, uh, we always used to sing heaven is a beautiful place filled with glory and grace and hell is a horrible place. But I think uh, you've helped me to understand it in, a,
0: in the right way. And uh, secondly, about the God being vindictive and horrible. Um, this uh, question, uh, the, uh, the things that happen in this world like right now, the COVID situation and things. So are all these a kind of uh, judgment or how do we look at these things and how do we pray something that's been uh, in my mind? Yeah, okay. Uh, thank you, Sharon, for sharing that. Um, now, we should not be quick to come to a conclusion, COVID-19 is God's judgment. We, it is we should not do that. Uh, But we should always, when people are suffering, people are dying, uh, whether it is because of COVID-19 or because of violence, whether it is because of poverty, there are millions of people dying because for lack of food, and there are millions of people who are dying because there is no peace in that country, people who are going as refugees. we have to pray When we see suffering anywhere. But we don't have to come to the conclusion. This is God's judgment. But we should always have that hope. That we have a a just God. You know the Bible says the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. So it is not for us to come to a conclusion. this um, This is the judgment. But we should always have that hope. One day, the final day will come when evil will come to an end. Till such time, what we do? We pray. We pray for relief. We pray for healing. We pray for help. Uh, that's That should be our
1: attitude. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah. May I add one point, Pastor? Yes, sure, sure Pastor. Uh, we also, Sister Sharon, we also know that we live in a fallen world and uh, this fallen world uh, away from God without God and uh, uh, you know it's natural that these things happen and it is difficult for us to understand and it's easy for us to blame God so in such a scenario I think uh, as pastor said we should pray and uh, uh, that God protect and God heal uh, that's the lot that God has given us but at the same time understand that uh, this is an offshoot of the fallen nature of man Glorious Father, we thank you, Lord, for
0: ministering to us this evening. Oh, God, open our minds and hearts so that we understand your love more and more. You have loved us with unfailing love, O Lord. Help us to understand, O Lord, about Father. You are not a God who wants to destroy us. You are a God who wants to build us up. You are a God who wants to bless us. Help us to have that relationship with you, O oh God. Help us to know how loving you are to me and to each one of us. Let your love in us increase. Bless each and every one who has attended this Bible study. I pray, Lord, let it produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and hundredfold fold harvest for your glory and for your honor. Lord, I know, Lord, we still have doubts. We have questions. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will speak to each one of us in a way we will understand rightly. Every word that we receive from you, every prompting we receive from you, every guidance that we receive from you should make us to love you more and more. You should be the topmost in our heart. We want to love you O Lord. In all situations, we want to love you. We want to bless your name. We want to worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, unfailing love of our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.